0: Well welcome to Quantum number 211, Quantum's a podcast that looks at news and views and culture and entertainment, sport, from a Christian perspective but open for all. And we often begin with the big news stories, but I want to begin with what to me is a big cultural story. Uh, Listen to this.
1: You look around and you see a world that cannot be made sense of. You either raise your fists or you say hallelujah. Hallelujah,
2: hallelujah. I was a young reporter for Rolling Stone magazine in 74, doing a piece on Leonard, and he's so gracious. It goes like this before. Leonard, he was always a spiritual seeker.
1: Unlocking the mysteries of life was his primary preoccupation. (laughs) Sitting in a meditation hall for four or five hours a day, you kind of get straight with yourself.
3: You know, it was often starting with this song. First thing, coffee, then working on hallelujah.
2: There was a lot of verses. The number 180 comes to mind.
1: The real song, where that comes from, no one knows. That is grace, that is a gift.
0: That is Leonard Cohen. Uh, It's a documentary called Hallelujah about him and about the song Hallelujah. Uh, I went to see it last night and absolutely loved it. I loved it. I was very moved by it in lots of ways. And I think, you know, the theme of what we are looking at today is tied in with a, a lot of that documentary. And what I mean by that is this. Cohen does religion and uh, spirituality and secular things together so he, he says for example about that song the real song where that comes from no one knows it's grace it is a gift and that's true music is a gift from God or that other quote where he says you look around and you see a world that doesn't make sense you either raise your fist or you say hallelujah I tried to do both I understand that. I was at Edinburgh Castle with my sister, with 10,000 other people at a Cohen concert, and I said to her, "Um, you know, you and I are going to be one of the few people here who really get this because half his lyrics are about sex and the other half, basically, are about the Bible. And that's true in the most famous song, Hallelujah. It kind of went through various reiterations. Initially, it was a very spiritual song. Then it became a very secular song. And it's gone back to being uh, the mix that it actually is. What fascinates me about Coin, I don't know where he was at. I mean, he went through a whole Buddhist phase, but then his business manager, who was a Buddhist, ripped him off. So, you know, where did that, I don't know where that left him. All I know is this, his last three albums, Old Ideas in 2012, Popular Problems in 2014, and You Want It Darker in 2016 came as close to expressing a Christian view uh, as I've heard any singer without them explicitly being a Christian for example from his last album which in a way was very spiritual but very dark it was called You Want It Darker and here's this If you are the
1: dealer I'm out of the game If you are the healer means I'm broken and lame. If thine is the glory, then mine must be the shame. You want it darker, we kill the flame. Magnified, sanctified be thy holy name, vilified, crucified in the human frame. A million candles burning for the help that never came, you want it darker. He I'm
0: ready, my lord. If you're the dealer. I'm out of the game If you're the healer It means I'm broken and lame If thine is the glory Then mine must be the shame You want it darker We kill the flame Magnified, sanctified Be thy holy name Vilified, crucified In the human frame A million candles burning For the help that never came You want it darker Hine, hine Hine is I'm ready my lord Hine is Hebrew For here I am And it's the response That Abraham gives when God calls on him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Here I am. It's also the prayer, uh, it's the name of a prayer, a hine prayer, of preparation and humility addressed to God that's chanted by the cantor in the synagogue on Rosh Hashanah. As I said, fascinating. Well we also like to hear different countries' national anthems and I wonder if you know which country this is. <laughs> That is Kenya, and we play that anthem because Kenya in the, is in the midst of a general election, or has had its general election, and we're waiting for the result. Provisional results suggest a tight presidential race between the Deputy President William Ruto and Rayela Odinga, a former Prime Minister. There's 90% of the results posted, and they seem to be neck and neck. It's likely to be another week before the results are fully known. It Comes the vote on Tuesday. Came at the end of a contest dominated by debates about living costs, unemployment, and corruption. The turnout is seems to have been quite low at 64%. Kenya last time it was 80%. It may uh, rise because of postal votes and so on coming in. You know, we pray, Kenya's a great nation, we pray for Kenya, and those of you who listen from Kenya, please do keep us in touch with what's going on. Let's turn to climate change. It's quite interesting how this is reported. Now, we say a lot about climate change, and I'm going to continue to say a lot, because um, how this world is, is so important to us, isn't it? We're stewards I came across this and I thought this was fascinating. Inhabit said, Finland is warming faster than the rest of the world. The BBC said, Canada is warming twice as fast as the rest of the world. Popular Science said, Australia is warming up twice as fast as the rest of the world. Physics.org says, The South Pole is warming three times as fast as the rest of the world. You're getting the theme here. CBS Boston says, New England is warming faster than the rest of the world. you Israel says, Israel is warming twice as fast as the rest of the world. China, heating up twice as fast as the rest of the world. In Focus says, Africa is warming more and faster than the rest of the world. Experts claim, these reports usually say, or reports say. Now, everywhere cannot be warming twice as fast as everywhere else. And that is part of the problem in all of this, the reporting and the news. What's true? What's real? What's real? So, for example, there's an extraordinary thing happened that I, I wonder if you've heard this because it's been, um, how will I say, not exactly overreported. Now, let, let me put it this way we're talking about the coral reef, the Great Barrier Reef, and uh, I'm really excited because i booked to go up and see it in October. Uh, so, looking forward to that. Well, we are in the midst of a climate emergency and the sixth mass extinction of life on Earth and all the rest of it. And the coral reef is often used as a barometer for that. Uh, in May, environments were, were warning that the Great Barrier Reef, the, it's 1,500 miles long off the coast of Queenland, was suffering a mass bleaching where the plants which live on the reef provide food for it, die off. This was blamed on climate change. The Guardian said, well, this could be the end, you know, for the reef. Now, here's the problem. The BBC, of course, took up with this. So President Obama warned about this. Everyone talks about this. Now, imagine if that great bleaching had continued and a lot of coral had died off. I think this would be headline news in whatever country you live. However... That's not happened. The latest survey of the reef by the Australian Institute of Marine Science, undertaken in May, reveals that coral cover has not only recovered, but across two-thirds of the reef, it's now at its highest level in 36 years of observation. In 2016, the entire reef was declared dead in an obituary published in the environmental magazine Outside. But that death certainly seems to have been exaggerated. Of course, The Guardian and others still um, have to make it doom and gloom. Yes, that's fine, but the end is nigh, and so on. Interesting, isn't it? And then I read a fascinating article on carbon offsetting. Now, carbon offsetting is embraced by governments and companies and individuals. They trade carbon credits to compensate for their emission and try for their emissions to try and get net zero. Now some environmentalists are now beginning to question this. Why? Because it appears as though this is not really helping. Businesses, governments and individuals invest in schemes. You know when you book a plane ticket, they will say, do you want to offset your carbon? You pay extra. And this is meant to go into schemes that offset the carbon. Amazon, Shell, the UK, Norway, they're all buying carbon offsets. So we're buying carbon from other people to help provide the net in the net zero. We're still producing the carbon but we're saying we're doing something. And uh, what is it called? It's called guilt-free flying if you're going on holiday. Well, I never tick the box because I don't feel guilty anyway. I don't fly all that much, and uh, I don't see why I should be able to fly anyway and buy off my conscience, if you want to put it that way. All right. Let's go to Asia and to South
4: Korea. Style. That is Gangnam Style by
0: Psy. Uh, it is I think, I think it's probably still the most watched YouTube video, 4.5 billion views. Now, why am I playing that? Because Gangnam Style is a kind of sarcastic song about the wealthy area of Seoul in South Korea known as Gangnam, wealthy suburb. Well, I read a fascinating report which said that on Monday this week, the heaviest rainfall in South Korea in 80 years fell. Including 326 millimeters of rain And there has been flooding There have been about 7 lives that have been lost uh, And so on Well, again, um, we remember South Korea You know, I mean, of course This will all be attributed to global warming Which may be true But we come back to the same old arguments About how much is man-made And what can be done about it Let's move to Australia and the death of two Australian icons, firstly this lady. You That was Dame Olivia Newton-John You're the one that I want Four-time Grammy Award winner Five number one hits Ten top ten hits in the Billboard 100 Eleven of her singles And fourteen of their albums have been gold Sold more than hundred million records Well, she died Um, A very, very interesting person Uh, Obviously famous Probably most famous for most of you For the musical film Grease But there are many other things that she's known for as well not least her environmental activism and animal rights causes and especially latterly her advocating for breast cancer research not least because that is what she ended up dying of after decades of fighting the disease now i've always thought of olivia newton john as australian but she was actually born in the united kingdom i believe she was born in cambridge and she lived in the united states for most of her adult life but she considered herself an australian And then, there's this lady. That is Judith Durham. Now, Elton John said that she had the purest voice in pop music, and I think it's hard to disagree. That song, The Carnival Is Over, by the way, was based on an 1883 Ukrainian folk song. Um, That version was recorded in 2013 in Melbourne, which was her hometown, when she was 70. She was singing like that when she was 70. Uh, An extraordinary singer, songwriter, musician, she was the lead singer of The Seekers, folk music. Um, they achieved, they were the first actually Australian group to achieve major chart and sales success in the United Kingdom and the United States. Sold over 50 million records worldwide. Uh, I think there was an extraordinary thing where in on the 12th of March 1967, The Seekers played before 200,000 people, nearly one tenth of Melbourne, her home. City, Melbourne's entire population at that time. It was at the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl in Melbourne. <laughs> Just that's a record, by the way, that still stands. Um, she was married. As interestingly enough, I read in a couple of articles about her. She was married in the Presbyterian Church, Scots Church, in Melbourne. I don't know where she stood spiritually, but I know. She sang this and uh, just listen to this. This is beautiful.
4: I'd been singing at a jazz concert and I thought that as an encore I could sing the Lord's Prayer. I really don't know why, but the atmosphere seemed just right. At first there were a few titters and whispers from the audience, but then I realised something was happening and they became absolutely still.
3: You could have heard a pin drop.
5: Our Father we chart in heaven. Oh.
0: Okay, let's come from the sublime voice and world of Judith Durham to the mad world of the woke. Here's a couple of things. First of all, the Society of Authors put out a tweet. I couldn't believe it when I saw this, but it's true. The ADCI literary prize for a work by someone who self-identifies as disabled or chronically ill. It must be fiction and must contain at least one or more characters that are disabled and and or are living with chronic illness you self-identify as disabled or chronically ill. That means I could do that. I could apply for it. That's just madness. And then there's this. Now that's the sound not, as you might gather, of the Commonwealth Games. It's the sound of Connecticut's high school track and field event, 100 metre, two transgender students, Terry Miller and Andrea Yearwood, came in first and second. And if you, if you look at the, the clip of that, the look on the girls' faces who followed them, it's so disappointing. They're male. It's not just that they were born male. They are male. They now identify as females. And they have an obvious advantage' it's completely unfair the ABC in reporting on this by the way had such an interesting phrase they said that they described these athletes as transgender athletes and they described the girls as non-trans athletes you know we used to call them women just desperate. Another interesting thing in the woke world is it, is it is very lucrative in terms of job. There was a fabulous article in The Australian by Claire Limman where, where she listed more than 17,000 jobs in Australia listed for diversity inclusion officers on the job listing website SEEK. Many are with government or statutory authorities. Many of them offer more than six figures in annual compensation. More than nurses, more than teachers can expect to be paid. You know, in in the UK, Liz Truss is saying she's going to slash about 350 woke jobs from the civil service, saving about 12 million pounds a year. Well, good for her. Managerial roles such as human resources manager, diversity officer, sustainability consultant, social media managers, and so on. Sensitivity readers, gender affirmation advisors. As she put it, they enable an entire class of university graduates to proselytise their values while working in roles that are largely insulated from market forces. She calls them the Brahmin left, which I think is a brilliant way of describing it. University graduates who view themselves as a priestly class holding sacred knowledge inaccessible to the masses. At the University of Melbourne, for example, a senior advisor in gender affirmation can expect to be paid between $108,000 and $116,000 a year, with a 70% superannuation. The cleaner, who's got to tidy up the gender whisperer's office, can expect to be paid only $26 an hour. Isn't it bizarre how the left has come to support this new discrimination Lemon puts it beautifully. Just 10 years ago, a graduate of a gender studies degree might have looked forward to employment at the local Starbucks on matriculation. Now they can expect to be employed as a diversity consultant on a comfortable salary at a university or government bureaucracy. Speaking of Oak, i got to play you this. I just so love this. This is Tracy Ullman, who's a comedian and who is extremely insightful in so many ways. I love this.
3: This support group is for people who are so woke that they are finding it impossible to have any fun at all.
2: Mm. We have somebody new with us this
3: week, so would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Uh, hi, I'm Oscar. Uh, I think like a lot of you guys, for me it started with the little things. Signing an online petition, going to a march. Well, I mean, before I knew it, I was... <laughs> writing to the Guardian about LGBT representation in the Harry Potter books.
3: Which is shocking, by the way. All right, Lily, we've all read your blog. Don't worry, Oscar, you've come to the right place. All of the young people in this room are ruining their lives by being overly
2: virtuous. That's actually a microaggression to say young people because it carries subconscious bias towards the elderly.
3: Actually, what you're doing is denying agency to the elderly, which is arguably much worse. this, This is what I'm talking about. You see, it's a slippery slope. One minute you're carrying a reusable water bottle. Fine, and the next minute you're arguing that water is racist.
2: Oh my God, is water racist? No, no, it's just an example.
3: Right, how did you guys get on with
2: the homework that I set you? Guys isn't an especially inclusive term. Not now, Jamie.
3: By homework, do you mean having to watch that old people's sitcom? It's called Friends, Lily. And you were supposed to watch it and enjoy it. Well, I try, but I found it deeply problematic. Why? Well, there's the homophobia, the transphobia, the fatism, and the slut shaming. And could Chandler be any more annoying? You can't go through your twenties worrying about every aspect of everything. You have to pick your battles, and just remember that it doesn't really matter because by the time you hit your thirties, most of you are going to be massively right wing anyway. Have any of you started to think that?
0: Maybe okay. More people don't Overly virtuous. <laughs> no. I love that phrase. Look, the revolution eats itself. Water is racist, friends are racist You're all going to turn right wing It would be really funny If it wasn't so sad Alright, let me come on to something uh, a bit better Um, I'm strongly recommending that A couple of things That you read uh, two books Glenn Shrivener's latest book The Air We Breathe And Louise Perry's The Case Against the Sexual Revolution Now, Glenn is a Christian Louise is a feminist um, here's the first part of a wonderful conversation they had on Glenn's Speak Life channel. Today on Speak Life, we are
2: joined by Louise Perry, who is a columnist with The New Statesman and the author of the new book, The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. Louise, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Hello. Hello. Um, you have written a, a book that makes me so curious. Um, and the, the first time that I was curious was on Twitter, where your publisher just released the, uh, the chapter headings, for the book. And I wondered, is Louise just a ishia Christian in disguise? Has she been a sleeper cell working for the New statesman, and now she is uh, outing herself? <laughs> because your your chapter headings are "Sex must be taken seriously. Men and women are different. Some desires are bad. Loveless sex is not empowering. Consent is not enough. Violence is not love. People are not products. Marriage is good. And then the conclusion is listen to your mother. And obviously, you mean Mother Church at that stage. Are you noticing some synergy between what you're saying and what, what sort of What's, Christians have um, traditionally said? secular ethics and
3: politics and you know everything everything in the end comes um comes back to christianity even if not explicitly so i think it's quite possible to say in a secular way that you can you can affirm the moral equality of the sexes um and our equal value as human beings without necessarily insisting on our sameness um the i mean the sameness is also in two in two dimensions that i write about in the book so the first is that just the physical differences between sexes which um you know ought to be obvious have increasingly become non- non-obvious right. and a very strange detour within feminism this is i think that the route that that potentially goes down where you end up um rejecting so much of um of of what has traditionally been women's lives with women's work that you end up actually with trying just desperately to be like men in every possible way which i think is an error and i think you know in has has ended up at this strange place now with the addition of trans activism to the tapestry um where even the existence of physical differences between men and women have become controversial yeah. and we have things like um
0: the current what i'm going to say is highly recommended and by the way if you're in sydney Next week on Friday at one o'clock in Philip Church in York Street, Uh, Glenn and I are going to be having a discussion together at one o'clock. So see you then. Here's a bit of real culture. This is June Barwick-Green, and we're talking about June Spencer, who is retiring at age 103. Why is that significant? She has played the matriarch Peggy Woolley, Woolley, formerly Archer, since 1951. Since 1951. She's played the same role on radio every week since 1951. And she's just retired aged 103. I want to retire age 103 and we come on to one other um this is lauren daigle being asked a very difficult question the singer lauren daigle
5: i I usually ask some tough questions so is that all right if i ask you just a couple ones that are are tougher and you can let me know if you want to answer them okay cool okay well since we're talking about ellen do you feel that homosexuality is a sin you know I, i can't honestly answer on that in the sense of, I have too many people that I love that they are homosexual. Um, I don't know. I actually had a conversation with someone last night about it, and I was like, I can't say one way or the other. I I'm not God. So when yeah. people when people ask questions like that, that's what my go-to is. Like, I just say, read the Bible and find out for yourself. Because, and when you find out, let me know. Because I'm learning too.
0: So, what can we say about that? I just wish people would learn to be clearer. You know, when she says, I can't honestly that. I have too many people that I love that they are homosexual. I don't know. When you love someone, you don't have to affirm their lifestyle. You don't have to affirm everything. I may love someone who commits adultery. I may love someone who behaves in a bad way. You know, my children could behave in a bad way. And I think... When people, it's a cop-out saying, I can't say one way or the other, I'm not God. God has said, and he's told us in his word, and we need to be clear about that. I'm actually quite tired of, you know, going to churches, hearing panels or sitting on panels and hearing people just be so unclear about what the Bible says. You know, when the interviewer says, wow, you're a pro already, he's commending her for avoiding the question. I think that's really sad. I do. I genuinely do. Um, If you want to hear my attempt to answer that question, then put a link to it. Uh, It's a a small video that I did for Solas back in Scotland uh, a few years ago. And we'll do some more with that. Okay, I am going to go, but I did receive uh, a notice from someone on the Apple podcast saying, you know, can you please put a link to the music? Now, I do. If you go to the website, www.theweeflea.com, you get all the links. But I've decided that comment decided me to go ahead with something I've been planning for a while, which was to put a Spotify playlist. So it's the Quantum playlist for August I've got and I put all the songs so far for August and I'll put the other ones that come up as well And each month I'll put out a playlist with the songs that we use on this podcast And that will include this song that we finish with Um, When I heard this in the documentary, this is Leonard Cohen When I heard this in the documentary, I'm not ashamed to confess that I did weep I find this a most poignant song If it be your will, have mercy on all those burning souls in hell Cohen's prayer, I. For me, this is just such a piece of incredible beauty. Now, what you'll hear is Cohen speaking over the first bits, and then he leaves it up to the Web Sisters to finish it. And I do think that they are, it's beautiful. So please enjoy this. Let me know any comments you have. If you'd like to support us, go to the Podbean fundraiser again on the website and if you've got any ideas or comments or constructive criticisms then feel free to let me know god bless you and see you next week
1: it was a, a while ago faced with some obstacles that i i wrote a song well it's more of a prayer and i'll give you the first few lines and then neil larson on the hammond b3 and the web sisters will unfold the song if it be your will, that I speak no more, and my voice be still, as it was before. I will speak no more, I shall abide until I am spoken for, if it be your will. If it be your will, that a voice be true, from this broken hill, I will sing to you. From this broken hill, all your praises they shall ring, if it be your will to let me sing.
4: Show It's a choice
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.